0: chapter is called The Thousands, and, um, I like it, I like the quotes in here, I don't know how we're going to, if we're going to discuss it, really, um, this is kind of the stuff of, like, bumper stickers and inspirational, inspirational posters and stuff, but, but I do, I do think it's good, and I do think it's worth exploring, so, thousands, Better than a thousand meaningless statements is one meaningful word, which having been heard brings peace. Better than a thousand meaningless verses is one meaningful line of verse, which having been heard brings peace. Better than reciting a hundred meaningless verses is one line of Dharma, which having been heard brings peace. So, this is sort of like quality over quantity. Um... I like to say um, this path may not add years to your life but it can add life to your years because we're not living on autopilot anymore and this I feel like this sort of follows the same follows the same uh, line of thinking but I also think it's it's like um we want we want to say meaningful and important things and maybe learn how to not uh, speak just to fill silence, which some of us do it a lot and some of us do it a little, but I think we all do it sometimes, where you, you're talking, but you don't really have anything to say, and you're just just saying meaningless, unimportant things. Uh, we want to move away from that and have effective effective language. And... But also, like, a word bringing peace, well, that's a word that is important, that means something. And that's something we can think about, too. We can choose if we're going to use our words for good things or bad things. Often we use our words for bad things. Um, Gossiping is bad, and, you know, insulting people, making fun of people is bad. And words to bring peace are are a lot better. Greater in combat than a person who conquers a thousand times a thousand people is the person who conquers herself. Certainly it's better to conquer oneself than others, for someone who is self-restrained and always lives with mastery Neither a god, a gandaba, nor Mara and Brahma together could turn conquest into defeat. So, conquering ourselves, we're thinking of it as a battle now, and learning to control ourselves, learning to control our minds is a difficult journey, it's a very difficult battle, and the results of it are 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 great are a thousand times the results of other things and you know if you've heard like i'm my own worst enemy that that um that's the power we are our own worst enemies we have this power over ourselves we have more power over ourselves than any any other force does and conquering yourself Neither a god, a Gandhaba, nor Mara and Brahma together could turn conquest into defeat. So nobody can take it away from you. Um, I think a Gandhaba is like a spirit angel type thing, and Mara is that personification of evil, and Brahma is sort of sort of the opposite of that. It's more of a, a good divine figure. Um, if that if that matters to you. Um, that's what these represent so it's just saying nothing nothing can take it away from you conquering yourself is something that nobody can take away from you getting your you know getting your your shit under control is something nobody can take away from you and that's 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 there's a lot of power in that Better than a thousand ritual sacrifices offered every month for a hundred years is one moment's homage offered to one who has cultivated herself. Better than a hundred years in the forest tending a ritual fire is one moment's homage offered to one who has cultivated himself. Whatever sacrifice or offering a merit seeker might perform in an entire year is not worth one-fourth as much as expressing respect to those who are upright. So some of this is the Buddha sort of responding to the common spiritual practices of the day, the teachings other people were doing. So people would make ritual sacrifices, um, Buddhism doesn't have sacrificing animals in it, but the religions that were around and in the time of the Buddha, a lot of people were doing those kinds of things. And I mean, the Buddha sort of, he saw that that doesn't really fit into not harming, right? If you're, if you're cutting an animal's throat to appease a God or whatever. So the Buddha, uh, he made a tradition without that kind of practice but more importantly, we're, we're saying here, cultivating yourself is more important than any sacrifice you could do. And so this message could be to a person that believes both of these things are meaningful. Well, cultivating, themself, cultivating yourself, even if you believe in animal sacrifice, cultivating yourself is abundantly more meaningful. And so tending ritual fire, um, same sort of thing. I don't I don't know that the Buddha frowned on ritual fire practices, but they were common things that were going on in his time as well. And there are there are Buddhist practices that involve fire. but uh, tending a ritual fire in other spiritual spiritual traditions, people would have to stay up all night to make sure the fire in the temple kept burning and, and things like that. And uh, the Buddha is saying, again, cultivating yourself is better than that. Cultivating yourself is more meaningful. We should respect people that cultivate themselves more than we respect people that tend the ritual fire. whatever sacrifice or offering a merit seeker might perform in an entire year is not worth one-fourth as much as expressing respect to those who are upright. And then, that's kind of tricky because we do talk about generating merit sometimes in Buddhism. And he's saying here, well, what he's really saying, though, is don't be attached to that. Don't be attached to that. We shouldn't be thinking about Um, A cosmic scorecard where we've got, you know, we're putting the bad things we've done on it and the good things we've done and trying to get more good things. Well, if we're thinking about a scorecard, then we're not really motivated by the right things. We should want to do good because it's right to do good and not because we're going to get points or whatever. That's That's what he's talking about here. And again, he says, express respect to good people. That's more important than making sacrifices, and that's more important than offerings. For the person who shows respect and always reveres worthy people, four things increase. Lifespan, beauty, happiness, and strength. So wow, is that literally true? Do you become pu- more physically attractive if you practice this path? Do you get happier, stronger and live longer? I think um we don't have to take that literally. I think uh um I think really wise people die early. Like I don't I don't um think we have to take this literally, but I do think the point of it is this path is going to improve your life and it's going to improve your life not only in ways that you expect and think it will like being better at paying attention and listening but also in ways you don't expect in ways you don't expect and i i think that's true i think that's true i didn't uh I didn't become a Buddhist and start practicing with the idea in my mind that it would help me in my career, but I I feel that it does help me in my career. So I think I'm better at my job because I'm a Buddhist. I I really do. And certainly my happiness has increased as well. But I, I think I'm better at my job, and I never, never thought that would be the case. I never uh, suspected I'd be better at my job. You don't, I don't know that you hear that much about people getting better at their jobs because they're Buddhist. Maybe you do some now um, now that so many people talk about the benefits of meditation maybe but it's not an outcome I was expecting and it is an outcome that I have experienced. And so we've got more of this 100 years stuff. Okay. Better than 100 years lived with an unsettled mind, devoid of virtue, is one day lived virtuous and absorbed in meditation. Better than 100 years lived with an unsettled mind, devoid of insight, is one day lived with insight and absorbed in meditation. Better than 100 years lived lazily and lacking in effort is one day lived with vigor and exertion. Better than 100 years lived without seeing the arising and passing of things is one day lived seeing their arising and passing. Better than 100 years lived without seeing the deathless is one day lived seeing the deathless. Better than 100 years lived without seeing the ultimate dharma is one day lived seeing the ultimate Dharma. So, all of this is just that point again. um, I like to say, you may not add years to your life, but you can add life to your years. So, what would it mean to live a hundred years and not accomplish anything? To just live a hundred years and sit around all the time, or just to live a hundred years and not being a paying attention not be paying attention to the world around you and just be living on autopilot uh... maybe that wouldn't be life in the same way right i don't want to live on autopilot and i think i want to re- choose how to respond instead of reacting to things all the time and that's sort of what this is about too, you know, if you've heard that, oh, I think I might've said this in a previous class, um, when somebody says, my, my kid is learning to drive and seems like she was just in diapers. It seems like she was just in diapers. The time went by so fast, you know, that sort of thing. People say that sort of thing all the time. And that's just an effect of living on autopilot and just reacting to things all the time and not really thinking about what you're doing, not really making choices, but rather just reacting. In the same way, when you're driving somewhere and you realize you're there and you don't really remember the trip, that's the same thing, that's a lack of mindfulness. And the Buddha here is once again singing singing the praises of living a mindful life, of paying attention and seeing the world around us clearly, instead of that living on autopilot all the time, instead of just sort of going through the motions. So chapter nine is called Evil, and really not sure that's that's the best word, because when I think of evil, well, you know, I think of, like, the devil or something, right? Or the Nazis. When we think of the word evil, I think we typically think of uh, really, really, really bad things, right? Um, and sometimes, ah, this is almost always translated as evil, but I I wish... I wish it wasn't because of because of that word, um, because of the connotations that brings to my mind. I don't know if uh, it does to yours, too. But that's okay. We're going to try our best to get through it. Um, I want to tell you, there's a Buddhist teacher who, he took the word evil, and he wanted, his name's Brad Warner, he wanted to instead he he used the phrase, instead of avoid doing evil, he used the phrase, don't be a jerk. Um, and that brings it more down to earth for us. If we're thinking just don't be a jerk, well, that doesn't make me think of the devil, right? It's just, you know, I can do better. I can do better in my interactions with other people. And I should try to do better. So I don't, so I, I have to think of it that way to get through this this word, evil, because, you know, I, I don't want to call other people evil. I, we shouldn't call other people things anyway. But I don't want to call myself evil either. I don't want to think about what I'm doing and call it evil, right? So, um, that was a lot, huh? So. Be quick to do good, restrain your mind from evil. When one is slow to make merit, one's mind delights in evil. So, that's just... Doing good things helps us avoid doing bad things. I think, um... You know, we don't have time to hurt other people if we're busy helping other people. I think of, uh there's this dietary plan I've heard about where um, you don't restrict yourself from eating anything but rather you just add a bunch of vegetables to your diet and that's the whole plan and so what that does is you're not maybe not reaching for the bag of chips when you've just had three cups of broccoli right if you're full maybe you're not going to go after the junk and I Think of this the same way. If we're spending time helping others, then we're spending less time hurting others because we're busy. We're busy doing good, and we want to be too busy doing good to do evil or too busy doing good to be a jerk, right? Having done something evil, don't repeat it. Don't wish for it. Evil piled up brings suffering. Having done something meritorious, repeat it, wish for it. Merit piled up brings happiness. So, I think that, um, I really take this away from it. Um, we don't have to keep making the same mistakes. We don't have to keep making the same mistakes just because we've made the same mistakes a lot of times. We don't have to do that. We can change what we're doing. And so if there's something that's wrong that we've done many times, well, we don't have to keep doing that. So what uh, what are some kinds of things that could be? I mean. A person could have a shoplifting habit, I guess. So that's kind of... No, like gossiping, for example. We don't have to keep gossiping. Even if we do it a lot and we really enjoy it, it's not good. It's not a good thing to do. So we don't have to keep doing it. So we want to... But at the same time, we can sort of forgive ourselves and just not do it again with whatever with whatever harmful things we've done we can forgive ourselves and resolve not to do it again we don't have to you know we don't have to s- steal something and then identify ourselves as a person who steals and then keep stealing, we don't have to do that that's, that's, a, that's a strange thing that people do Even even an evildoer may see benefit as long as the evil has yet to mature. But when the evil has matured, the evildoer will meet with misfortune. A doer of good may meet evil fortune as long as the good has yet to mature. But when the good has matured, the doer of good will meet with good fortune. Don't... Disregard evil, thinking it won't come back to me. That was in quotations. That's why I did a voice. With dripping drops of water, even a water jug is filled. Little by little, a fool is filled with evil. Don't disregard merit, thinking it won't come back to me. With dripping drops of water, even a water jug is filled. Little by little, a sage is filled with merits. So the fool and the sage are back. So, this is about rebirth. This is about rebirth and karma and these kinds of ideas, which are big ideas that I don't know we can go too deeply into here, but um, we can, though, I know I can. I think, I think most people can uh, think of events in your past where you've done something that was maybe not totally virtuous and ethical. And later, consequences resulted from that. Consequences resulted from that. And sometimes those come way later. But I think, I think we do see that in our own lives. I know I have seen where I knew I was making a bad choice, and I wanted to make the bad choice, so I made it anyway. And later, uh, some... Not the bad results I was thinking, but some different bad results came to me. And that and that's the thing, too. The consequences may not be what you expect, but the consequences are going to happen. The consequences are going to happen. So, um, like... A person who cheats on their spouse. They may if they're thinking of the consequences they may think of like getting getting caught and their spouse leaves them and their you know their life is harmed in that way and that would be like the direct consequence that we we predict and we think of but of course there could be all sorts of other consequences to this person that create big problems like the person they're cheating with could uh you know that movie Fatal Attraction do you know it like the person they're cheating with could come after them in some aggressive way or maybe the person they're cheating with has a spouse too and that spouse comes and fights fights them or whatever right all sorts of consequences come from our negative actions and I think when we're making bad choices we almost always know it too it doesn't have to be as obvious as that that example but I think we usually know it when we're making the wrong choices and the point is the chickens the chickens come home to roost the results are going to happen and we can we can choose to believe in the the teaching of rebirth that we'll be born in another life based on our ethical behavior in this life but we don't we don't have to believe that and we don't have to think about it too hard because we can see that in our own lives we can at least at least sometimes Okay, As a merchant carrying great wealth in a small caravan avoids a dangerous road. As someone who loves life avoids poison, so you should avoid evil deeds. A hand that has no wounds can carry poison. Poison does not enter without a wound. There are no evil consequences for one who does no evil. That's a little bit tough for me to wrap my head around. Um, because, you know, bad things happen to innocent people. Of course they do. So, I'm going to see. There's a footnote to this one, and I'm going to go read it real quick. Evil doesn't exist for someone who's not doing it. Okay. So, I don't think we have to posit from this that bad things don't happen to good people. That would be uh, sort of a person could go down the road of victim blaming if if they take a black and white view of this. But the point is, avoid doing bad things. Avoid doing bad things. You know, um, I'm reminded of... I think Mark Twain said, If you tell the truth, then you don't have to spend time remembering what lie you told to whom. I'm sure I didn't get that quote right, but it's it's something like that. I, I tell the truth so I don't have to remember what I said, right? We can... When we do harmful things, we bring consequences upon ourselves. And really, we want to we stop doing that, of course. Like fine dust thrown against the wind, evil comes back to the fool who harms a person who is innocent, pure, and unblemished. Some are reborn in a womb. evildoers are reborn in hell. People of good conduct go to heaven, and those without toxins are fully released in nirvana. So that's just the teaching of rebirth that we talked about a little bit earlier. That teaching is just that your life is is going to influence your next life and um, some people who practice Buddhism don't want to take this literally and want to say it doesn't, you're not really reborn and other people definitely want to take it literally and say no I I wanna have a favorable rebirth I wanna die and be born into a better world and I think uh, we could spend a lot of time thinking about if we want to take it literally or not. That's a big, I think that's a big debate within within Buddhism in general. Uh, but the teaching is, is what it is. Evildoers are reborn in hell. And that, um, in a Buddhist context, hell and heaven are not permanent places. So... If you're reborn in a very wonderful, positive place, a heaven, you you die. You still eventually pass on. Although, like, there's supposed to be, like, some worlds where there's incredibly long lifespans. But it's not permanent. Still on the wheel of life. And unless that's what nirvana is supposed to be. It's just the release from that. And that's, that's pretty heavy stuff. You will not find a spot in the world, not in the sky, not in the ocean, not inside a mountain cave, where you'll be free from your evil karma. You will not find a spot in the world, not in the sky, not in the ocean, not inside a mountain cave, where death will not overtake you. So that's just... You can't escape it, you know, things are going to come back to bite you, and that's just the way it is. So, that was the chapter called Evil, um, and does anyone... I'll take a minute to explain, um, Arahant is like, is like the word saint. It's supposed to be someone who has done all the work, someone who has completed, if, if there's an end, it's supposed to be someone at the end of the Buddhist path, so... It's aspirational. It's aspirational, so this is um, what we what we should be aspiring to be, sort of a long term goal. So we talked, we read the chapter of the sage, last week, and that is more of a short term or shorter, shorter anyway. The arahant, that's like the end of the path. It's considered the the ideal in the early Buddhist tradition. So, um, that's what this title is. And it it's analogous to the word saint, I think. It's something that um it would feel weird if somebody was going around saying, Oh, I'm an Arahant. That would, it would be like somebody saying, Oh, I'm enlightened. I'm I'm all the way there, don't worry. And you know, even even luminaries like the Dalai Lama don't go around and say, I'm enlightened, right? That's not um it's bad form, I guess. It's not something people do in the same way. A person wouldn't go around, probably wouldn't go around saying I'm a saint. It'd be weird if someone did that. Um, So this is generally either what we're aspiring to, or it it could be, there could be someone from the past who we say, oh, that person was enlightened. But it wouldn't be uh, something, it would be unexpected for it to be something someone would just say about themselves. I'm an Arahant. arahant. Okay, so I got that out of the way. For someone at the journey's end, freed of sorrow, liberated in all ways, released from all bonds, no fever exists. And the fever is, I think, not a literal fever, but that's what we're talking about, our emotional baggage and our attachments, our greed and hatred and delusion. These things that hold us back are like a fever. And... For the Arahant, that, that fever would be over. The mindful apply themselves, they don't amuse themselves in any abode. Like swans fraught flying from a lake, they abandon home after home. Like the path of birds in the sky, it is hard to trace the path of one of those who do not hoard, who are judicious with their food, and whose field is the freedom of emptiness and signlessness. So I think of... um, I'll read the next one, too, because it's almost the same. Like the path of birds in the sky, it is hard to trace the path of those who have destroyed their toxins, who are unattached to food, and whose field is the freedom of emptiness and signlessness. So we're talking about here, um, sort of, I think of... Um, I've gone to this campground where they have a sign that says, remember to leave no trace, and it shows a picture of somebody throwing away trash. So, the uh, the message is, you know, please don't leave your garbage here. But, leave no trace is kind of a kind of a fancy way to say that. And so, an enlightened person leaves no trace like birds in the sky. So, you know, animals walking on the ground leave footprints, and if they're in the sky, they don't—they don't leave anything. And we want to strive to be that way by not making enemies out of everything all the time, causing drama, not doing that, and also by not uh, over-consuming too many resources. I think uh, the Buddha predicted overconsumption of resources. So those are things that leave a trace. And what we're talking about is not leaving one. So not, not taking a lot of things, not causing a lot of trouble. Hopefully we can, we can aspire to that. So, even the gods cherish those who are without toxins, who have abandoned conceit and whose senses are calm, like horses well tamed by a charioteer. For a person who is, who, like the earth, is untroubled, who is well-practiced, who is like a pillar of Indra, who is like a lake without mud, there is no more wandering. Common, common mind, speech, and action, and released through right understanding, such a person is fully at peace. The person who has gone beyond faith, knows the unmade, has severed the link, destroyed the potential for rebirth, and eliminated clinging as the ultimate person. So I'm going to comment on those verses now. Um, So even the gods cherish. um, This doesn't, again, as I've said before, we can decide whether or not we literally believe in gods. um, But this is just saying your relationships are going to be better. If, if we can get to this point, if we focus on these goals and we keep them in mind, our relationships are going to get better. So people will cherish us. People are going to want to be around you if you're not causing trouble. Of course. People are going to want to be around you if you're paying attention to them. And they're going to want to um, be friendly to you as well. So, like the earth... We can be untroubled, and that just means our our stuff's not bothering us so much. And, like, a pillar of Indra, that is, um, Indra... It doesn't really matter, but Indra is, like, a king of the gods type situation, and, um, known for being very tough and strong and enduring. So, a pillar of Indra, that means, like, really enduring, like whatever life is going to throw at us, we can handle it. We're going to be like a pillar and we're going to be strong and not fall apart when things get hard. That's really important because a lot of the time we do fall apart when things get hard. So, uh, gone beyond faith means we're seeing it for ourselves. And knowing the unmade, I think that just means... um, um, enlightenment, seeing things clearly, is knowing the unmade. And so we can try to be the ultimate person. That sounds pretty great. So the last two verses here. In village, in forest, in low land, in high land, delightful is the place where the arahant dwells. Delightful are forests where the public does not delight. There, the passion-free delight, not seeking sensual pleasure. So we, by making ourselves better, we can make the world a better place. And that's what we want to do. And just by doing it, just by doing it, the practice, we make the world a better place. That is really what it's about. I have a friend, um, and uh, this is a tangent, but it's okay. I have a friend who works in IT, and... He came to me one day and he said, hey, I don't I don't know how I can feel like I'm making a good, positive change in the world because I just work in IT for loan companies, like not even for good companies, really. And what I said to him was, well, you can go to work every day and just be a pleasant person to interact with. And in that way alone, we make our environment a little better. And that's, that's what I think of when I think of... Um, Delightful is the place where the Arhant dwells. If we're doing the work, then we're making wherever we are a better place. So, um, that was- Thank you for listening, and have a good day.